Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. We're going to talk about a topic um, that came up the other day, and you know, a lot of times Vanessa and I will start a conversation uh, that is not recorded, and then we'll tag it as let's talk about this because we think it could help other people so um someone who's 12 12? you're not 12 there's no way well makes i guess yeah today's emotionally immature family oh she's right on that one i said it's more it's more healthier mature to be they meant not literally 12 but they're 12 emotionally let's crack a window it's getting hot in here okay let's get to the point sorry guys so um emotional uh emotionally immature parents so Yes, basically um, all of our parents, <laughs> basically every boomer. Yeah, so Lindsay Gibson wrote the book, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, right? It came out a while ago. It's a book that I have, I read in grad school. I've recommended it to pretty much every client I've ever worked with, it's phenomenal. And I haven't read it in a while, it's been years. Um, and uh, Glennon Doyle um, and the podcast team at we can do hard things had her on their podcast the other day and they had a two-part um, conversation with her and so it kind of refreshed it it brought it up for me i brought it into the codependency groups that i run every week and we had a long conversation about it two weeks in a row as well and i came out of my codependency class and i said to john i realized a couple of things so you know my codependency is my jam i started realizing that can, can i just answer something real quick um as a clinician or a therapist uh, a lot of uh, people may not know that when we are running groups or in session, we run a retreat, um, so much of that conversation activates uh, things in us where we have revelations. And so the client can be a catalyst to our growth as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I was saying that, you know, I've, I've said for many years that narcissism and codependency are kind of two sides of the same coin. They're fueled by a similar wounding, um, the wounding of not enough. And when I was listening to her talk about emotionally immature parents, I realized how much of codependent behaviors, how much of codependency is actually based in emotionally immaturity as well as narcissism. And so I came out and I was saying to you, what's interesting to me is that what that tells me, this isn't a super aha, but what that tells me is that when I am in my codependency, when I'm acting out of my codependency, I am in a state of an, of emotional immaturity. Yeah, so describe right? that because people, I think when, when you when you see emotional immaturity, people just kind of default to, you know, childlike. That's a, that's a big that's a big ask. I mean, it's an entire book on what is emotional. Well, it's like just, saying what is codependency. Just broad strokes, so people kind of get um, what you're saying. Okay, well, I can give a couple details. Um, I don't have the notes in front of me, so. People who are emotionally mature um, have a really hard time with true intimacy, and mm-hmm. so um, they can only go so deep, right? And so they have st- strategies to maintain distance and relationships. So if you know somebody or if you are somebody who um, creates drama or conflict or likes to keep things kind of like tit for tat or getting, you know, going back and forth, um, there's a reason for that. And that's because when people are going at each other, they're not connecting in a deep and intimate way. And so it's a way to maintain that, that distance, right? Um, people who are emotionally mature, for example, um, they have a hard time seeing you or anybody's, so that could be kids, right? Parents, um, um, 
partners, whatever, as their own person, they purely see other people as mirrors of themselves, right? And so if you're raised by somebody who's emotionally immature, who sees you not as your own complex, you know, individual, but sees you strictly as a mirror to themselves, your purpose then becomes making them feel as good about themselves as possible. So that you, you kind role. of become the emotional parent. Yes, and right. so many times you become the emotional caretaker, right, right. of that adult. Um, and there's a lot of other things. You definitely, if you haven't read the book, it's really, really amazing. Um, but anyway, the conversation you and I were having is how do we, in our adult relationships now, show up as those emotionally immature people, right? Sure. And so what I was saying is if we just take that one nugget, which is like the I, in my emotional immaturity, I stop seeing you as your own individual person, your own authentic autonomous being. And I simply look at you as how do I use you to make me feel as good about myself as possible? Yes. Right? So then what I was saying is like, how does that show up for you versus how does that show up for me? Yeah, and so now we're tightening the vice by bringing it back to us and our story, um, being a little bit vulnerable. Um, how do you show up emotionally immature, and how do I? How do you think I show up? And of course, there's a spectrum, right? Adult children of emotionally immature parents, guys. That's what we're talking about. A couple yes. people asked. So, how do you think uh, you show up, and how do you think? I'm trying to think of how. So I, show I basically up. said that to me, it feels like when I'm at my worst and when you're at your worst, yeah. right? Like that's yeah. when we're at our worst. We'll say air quotes, but um, thank you, Kim, for putting that in the chat. So when I'm at my worst, when I'm at my most emotionally immature, um, I am withdrawn. Mm. I am distant. Avoidant. I'm avoidant, yeah. right? A um, and so this is a runner. And so what does that do, though, right? So here's the here's the kind of next layer to that, and then we'll flip it to you. So when I'm in that state, what it does is it actually brings up in you your deepest wounding. So you and I, and not just us, people do this all the time. Yeah. We sought out somebody who actually brings out or brings up or or pours kind of salt in our deepest wounding, right? Um, and why do we do this? We do this because our unconscious is trying to heal. So we're kind of seeking people out who bring up that wound in order to heal it, if, if that's kind of what we decide to do. So what does that, we, we, my behavior, do to you? And, and by the way, that means that, and this is not um, romantic or sexy, but then that means that relationships um, are challenging because you're attracting the opposite and also you're attracting people probably who may activate you the most. I actually think that is romantic and sexy. And here's why. Well, 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 it's only romantic and sexy uh, once you are aware of it, working through it and kind of peeping yeah. out the other side. It's not romantic and sexy if you're not aware of it and, and every day is, you know, um, struggle feels like a struggle. Well, yeah. I, I think that once we all look at every relationship in our life as, as an opportunity to learn, that is the purpose of relationships is to grow and evolve. Yeah. Then to me, that is romantic. Like yeah. I have called you into my life for a purpose. It's not about are you going to be with me forever and ever? Amen. It's just like, what is the purpose? What is the growth that I've called you into my life to serve? Not in like a selfish way, but I think that's a really beautiful collision kind of way. Like my unconscious sought you out. Your unconscious sought me yeah, out. Yeah, no, the process of it is beautiful. I just wrote a whole thing on this. Uh, um, someone asks, are relationships um, supposed to be hard? And I said, uh, sometimes I think relationships are uh, or can be one of the greatest catalysts to our growth. Um, I also don't think that every relationship is supposed to last forever. Mm -hmm. um, I think some relationships are supposed to 
um, evolve us to a certain point, right? And that was what that relationship was meant to be. Right. Um, I think we all get stuck in the whole happily, happily ever forever. after, mm-hmm. you know, one soulmate forever, that kind of thing. Um, but I do think that what's beautiful about uh, the human... I had a burp. Sometimes throw up a little bit in my mouth. Um, I think when I talk a lot, I get all like acidy and shit. The, one of the beautiful things about the human condition is um, how two people evolve from the collision. So, uh, and I think the, the the thing is that if it wasn't for love, because love is what anchors us, who would do it, right? And so, it's beautiful in that love brings us in, and then once we're in, the relationship becomes a black light to our wounding, our activation, what we need to work on, etc. Many people, and I say uh, many, when, when I say many, I would maybe say most, um, decide to run from the discomfort and activation and pain and struggle and challenge. And so they don't reap the benefits of what a relationship can actually do for you as far as uh, encourage growth and, and healing. I mean, they could, yeah, they can be really good mirrors. I think that we have to be open to what we see in the reflection, though. I think what happens is for a lot of us, we're not open to the reflection because it's too hard or it's too activating or it makes well, the, us defensive because we don't want to see those yucky things about ourselves sometimes. The, the reflection can be subjective and this is the problem, well, sure. right? Because I'm what, saying what, what we see though, not what you're telling me, but what I see in myself. It's, it's, so the reflection is going to be up to the individual because if, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess people can point it out. I mean, this is, you know, a couple therapists would be very helpful in that. Um, but it's almost like you can't force someone to see they don't see what they oh, don't no, see, not. right? Yeah, of course not. No, I'm just saying that either way, it's not about forcing. It's that many times, if I'm too activated by what I'm seeing as far as a reflection back to me, I'm not going to be willing to see it, and so yeah. I'm not going to have that growth opportunity because I'm going to be too defensive and too activated, and I'm going to bail, or I'm going to blame it on you, or I'm not going to take my you know own my part. I'm going to shut down, whatever, get defensive. So going back to our topic, Vanessa, um, when she is emotionally immature um, at her worst, she's slamming doors. I'm not slamming she, doors. I've never slammed a door. No, no. I meant I didn't mean literally. I meant, <laughs> I meant you're a runner. You're, you're slamming the door behind you as you bolt out, right? Yes. And Lorene, yes, that's what we're saying is that emotionally um, immature, immaturity and codependency are linked. hand in hand. Yeah. And then for me, when I'm at my worst... Well, hang on. Before you go there, can I go yeah. back to what I was saying? Yes. Which is... So what I was able to say is when I'm at my worst, when I'm in my, mo- my emotional maturity, when I'm acting out my codependency, I am acting in ways that are distant, putting up walls, um, you know, pushing you away. And what does that do? That activates in you the wound of, I'm making you feel like I don't love you, like yeah. I don't desire you, like yeah. you're not lovable. So pouty, um, Well, that's moody. your response to that. Yeah, so my response, uh, which then is emotionally mature, is right. pouty, moody, um, withdrawn you withdrawn, go emotionally silent um, but also like uh, feeling rejected and hurt you know well that yes of course yeah, but yeah. that's not to me no that's yeah, that's, yeah. so, so my, my re- reaction to her is that yeah and so then when you are in that state right so it this is the circle right so when you're in your activation state so when you're at your worst right air quotes when you're in your emotionally immature state when you're acting out your codependency you act out in a way that essentially in non-verbal ways you're attempting to get me to engage with you so you do this thing where you 
you go quiet, you go cold, energetically, you kind of like, you start to pout. So you do these, these I don't things. think I'm consciously using that as a tactic. Sure, I'm not consciously right, using right, mine right. as a tactic either. Okay, That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm like when we're at our worst, right? Um, and so when you do that, the hope in that is that I will lean in and I will caretake and I will be like, sure. what's wrong? Sure. Are you okay? Sure. Let me soothe you. But what it does to me, make you run. it pours the salt in my wound, yeah. which is the, the expectation that I have to take care of you, right? Sure. So coming from my emotionally immature you know, side, um, being raised by somebody who I was the caretaker of the needs. So what that does is activates that wound in me, which then makes me run further. So you guys get the gist here, right? We got the circle, this pattern in, going in a, on. In a nutshell, it flips the magnet by turning two adults into 12 year olds. That's kind of what it does. So the her twelve year old toddlers, yeah, or, well, <laughs> even younger. I just I think I, I think I said twelve because yeah. someone said twelve in the room. But um, so her twelve year old runs. My twelve year old wants to be you know grabs her leg. So that's and then they um, actually both pour salt on each other's wounds. Mm-hmm. So it's just an interesting um, topic, and this is the kind of conversations you have in couples uh, counseling. Um, so what do you do with this? Is so one. I guess we're just going to talk until Logan wakes up. Uh, she might not ever wake up. Uh, what, what, what you do with this is the, the awareness of it, right? So us talking about it and me being aware, oh, this is what's happening in me when I am emotionally mature. I just saw someone walk by. What if we get like jacked, carjacked? I mean, we're, we're, we'd have a video place on it. and it's broad daylight. But it was just, I don't, and then um, 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 Vanessa would um, investigate and explore what's happening within her so when we talk about it, um, we are learning more about each other and what's happening uh, that we're not aware of. It's so like putting it on the table, right? And saying, oh, this is what's happening. Right. And then there's the ownership piece. Well, right? okay, so I'm glad you ended up the ownership piece because what I was going to say is similar to the codependency work, the cover, re- sorry, codependency recovery work that I do with all my clients and in my groups, you know, a lot of this is about it's owning your part, right? It's 100% about radical ownership. And so it's about realizing how your codependency presents itself, how your emotional maturity presents itself. Like, how do you behave when you're at your worst? And again, I keep giving air quotes for that um, because I don't want it to sound too like shamey, right? And then starting to notice those behaviors and then starting to unpack and change those behaviors, right? And so, for example, I'll give you a really good, like, in the moment example. You want to say this? No, I'm good. good. Earlier today, I was in work mode mentally, right? Um, I was trying to get a bunch of things done, like Logan was having some TV time, and so I was on my computer frantically trying to get shit done. Is this gonna turn into a fight before we go to the art dinner? I think so. Okay. Um, And I was feeling, and this was not your intention, I was feeling like you were really trying to like get some kind of acknowledgement or recognition from me, right? You were trying to connect with me emotionally, I swear. And I could have either leaned into that and given it back to you, but felt annoyed and resentful about it. Mm-hmm. I could have not said anything and felt annoyed and resentful in my body. Or I could have done what I did, which is, hey, can you give me some like emotional love instead of like this kind of mm-hmm. sexual energy love? Mm-hmm. And you said, yes, I can do that. And I'll tell you, it felt really good because that's me owning my part in that moment it had nothing to do with you and how much I loved you and desired you and all these things I was feeling a little like by that energy because that's not where my head was I could have ignored that feeling and 
made myself feel like shit, made you feel like shit in, in return. But instead I was just very clear and very kind. And I was like, this is what I want. And you were like, yeah. And that completely changed how that could have gone. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So that is me taking radical ownership of like, don't just suck it up and don't say anything. Don't just lean in and pretend because that's what he might want and then be resentful. That's on you, meaning me, right? So can I flip it? If I was in a a space where I felt um, like I needed connection, can I express that? Like you express you needing space? Would that be fair or no? It's always fair to express what you need. But then it has to stop there without the expectation that the other person will give you what you need. Yeah. So once it turns into an expectation that the other person acts accordingly, that's where it gets tricky, right? So you could have gotten upset, of course, but I actually noticed in you a totally different response than I think I was saying in my head was going to be the response. If I say this to him, he's going to get upset. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to just be honest. I mean, I think the... That's the codependency work. Yeah, and I think the, the thing that the rewiring piece is um, her having a habit of thinking if I express my need, the sky's going to fall, yes. it's going to be a fight. So then my my focus would be to create a space where she expresses her need and then to make it safe. And it doesn't become a fight, uh, which then reconditions her body to believe, oh, I can actually express myself and I won't get pushed back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thousand of those experiences um, yes. for each other. So for Over. her mm-hmm. and then, you know, also for me with our dynamic, uh, mine would be to actually express that I need connection or need, you know, a hug or whatever it is and for her to hear me and, you know, what she does with that is on her. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I feel like I don't want to be needy, so I never express that, mm-hmm. then it turns into kind of resentment or it may turn into me being like, all right, I don't even want it, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. that doesn't help at all. So. And I think you did need connection, right? And you were, you were having a bid for a connection in that moment. And I think I was able to give you connection in my way, right? Like mm-hmm. I gave you the connection that I felt comfortable giving to you. And it felt like we actually really connected in that moment and it felt good. Because it wasn't laced with anything. There was no undertone of resentment. Don't or like, touch me. <laughs> I'm giving you what you need against my kind of will, right? Which is the codependent. Uh, you, know what's, you know what's great about this example, which by the way is true and it just happened hours Somebody ago. Somebody actually just said too, this is really relevant. Like I know this is something yeah. people can resonate with. Um, what I find that's helpful for this example is um, we're talking about something very subtle, mm-hmm. right? We're not talking about me demanding something or her so busy. Fight it's or... just very subtle. You know, it's a, what is it, Sunday? Saturday? Mm-hmm. Saturday? Sunday. Saturday? Sunday. Oh, it's Sunday. Sorry. It's a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. We're just doing life. And, and, you know, there's always a cadence and a dance when it comes to affection and love, um, especially if you speak different love languages, especially mm-hmm. if you have, you know, different levels or whatever, what you feel that you need. And so that's something that we are constantly working on. And even in the nuance of her on the computer and me, it's not like I was groping her. No. I mean, I was touching her back. I was, I, the energy in the room was kind of like needing, right? Needing to be close and then her being busy and kind of occupied um, to subtly, how do I say this? To subtly um, maneuver or transition that cadence that step in a way where 
people are not stepping on toes and getting angry, right? So, well, here can I just really quick? The only reason I'm going to say on that is because what I mean is we, it, can't, it, we didn't scream at each other. No, 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 of course, but I can't, I can't control how you would have responded to what I just did right in that moment. So I don't, I don't necessarily think I maneuvered no, to make sure you didn't get angry. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. So by you expressing what you needed in yes. a kind way, yes. that was the the subtlety, that was the gentleness, that was the maneuvering. Yes, I agree. All right? I'm, the only reason I'm saying that is because I think there most likely are people that are listening who would say, well, it doesn't matter how kind I am, somebody's still going to be angry with me, right? Because I feel like I hear that all the time. Because you're looking at it through like a the and, codependency thing, Well, my right? point right. is you do it no matter what because the alternative There's is... There's someone named... Vanessa Barnett, Barnett, <laughs> holy shit! Um, boy, I think my camera. Like you do it no matter what, because the alternative is to be inauthentic and then carry that resentment. What I, what I meant was, you didn't turn around and say, "Get the fuck off well, me, I'm busy." You know, course, so like, yeah. so that's what I mean, like the nuance in everyday life and how something's so subtle, uh, because it wasn't a big deal. Um, but but I did sense, I did sense when you looked at me because you made eye contact, I did sense. Like, hey, here's an ask from me. Here's what I, I really... So I, it's I did, clear. Yeah, it was, it was clear. It was direct. It I always say clear, kind, concise. Those are your only three yeah. things you need to make sure of when yeah. you're communicating. Be clear, be kind, be concise. Yeah. So, you know, it's... It's just an example. It's being adults. Yeah. It's being emotionally adults, which most of us, uh, including my, myself, which we struggle with because... We weren't raised that way. Very few of us had um, parents who were... Adults. Uh, most of us were raised by people who looked like adults, but were emotionally immature. And so the generational transmission process, the effects of that as we grow up, um, are show up more than ever, or more than in anything in relationships. Yeah. Right. That's where they glow. So then, to do what you want with that, take responsibility and try to be more adult and immature which is very very hard to do it's not an easy thing to do you know mm -hmm. um but that's where you change that's where the road forks that's where you change the dynamic um all right we gotta go so one more time for anybody who came in late adult children of emotionally immature parents by lindsey gibson that's the book we're talking about yeah happy holidays be well